Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Christian Celebration Center podcast. Our prayer is that this audio will encourage you in Christ and challenge you from God's Word. Enjoy the message. Excited about today's message. I believe you're going to be encouraged. I believe your faith is going to be built up as you head into this week. Joshua chapter 23. I'm going to begin by reading one verse, which is verse 14. The leader of Israel at that time, Joshua, said these words, verse 14. Now, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all of your heart and soul that not one of all of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. And Lord, you are the promise keeper. You are the one who always keeps your promises. May our faith be built up today that we would be a people who can, no matter what we face, walk by faith, not by sight, because of who you are. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, you say amen. 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 You can be seated. Well, here we are, late November A year from now, we'll be heading to the polls in order to make our choice of who we think should be the next president, the next senators, the next representatives, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And right now, political campaigns are in full swing. Democrats and Republicans are spending millions of dollars to get those particular positions that they're seeking. And if there's One thing that we know about political campaigns and political candidates, it's this. They will make promises. How many remember Jimmy Carter? It's said that Jimmy Carter Carter and his campaign promised to curb inflation and also to curb unemployment. As they've tracked his promises, they found that he only came through with 40% of his promises. Now, how many of you would like to have a family or a friend, family member or a friend who, who comes through four out of ten times and keeping their word? You know what I'm saying? You're like, man, they really keep their word. I mean, it's 40% of the time, but they really do keep their word. I mean, for us, we would say that that's not good enough. According to another source, one U.S. president who served two terms during his campaign made over 500 campaign promises. Now I wonder how many of those actually were fulfilled. I don't know. But it probably wasn't very many. So many promises made, so many promises broken. And sadly, this doesn't just happen in politics. It can happen in certain business dealings. It can happen in the workplace at times. It can happen among friends. It can even happen in families. Promises made, promises broken. When I was a kid, we called that liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) And haven't we all experienced someone breaking a promise that they made to us? Haven't we all experienced someone not coming through with the word that they gave us? I bet every single one of us had experienced that. 
I would guess as well that there are many of us in this place who are still hurting or paying the consequences of someone who broke a promise who didn't come through with what they said. But in an honest moment, wouldn't we all agree that we have all at one time or another broken a promise? We have all at one time or another said something to someone and then we didn't come through. Promises made, promises broken. Sadly, it's common in the world that we live in. But today's message is about one who keeps all of his promises. Because there is one who keeps all of his promises, our God. It is our God that although we live in a broken world, and although we live in a world of broken promises, we serve a God who always keeps his. Always. Now our opening text today is from uh, the book of Joshua. And so we are catching up with Joshua at the end of his life. So we read about this, um, uh, this, this passage and we read this account in chapters 23 and chapter 24 today. The Bible actually describes Joshua, uh, who was the leader of Israel at that time, as being, and I quote, old and advanced in years. Anybody old and advanced in years, you just can relate to that right now. It's how you're feeling right now. Yeah, yeah. When my kids were younger, I could easily beat them in basketball. Um, I was probably, um, to them, like the best player in our entire yard. And... They got to be around 12, 13 years old, and, and it started to get a little harder. When they reached 15, forget it. They, they could beat me. They knew it. They would tell me about it. And soon after that, like, I could never even score a basket unless either they decided I'm going to let my dad score a basket or if they were checking their phone. Like, this is the only way, the only way that I would even score because... In their mind, dad was now old and well advanced in years. And that's where Joshua found himself. How old was he at this time? I'd put him in triple digits because shortly after he spoke these words, the Bible says that he passed away. And at that point he was 110 years old. That's pretty old. Now age gives us something. And all the people in this place who are older might say, yeah, age gives us sore backs. Gives us the need for bifocals. It gives us the, the need for, or the opportunity, I should say, for extra trips to the bathroom during the middle of the night because sleep is interrupted. Age gives us a lot, but there is something very special that age gives us, and it's this perspective. We have the blessing of being able to look back and see something. And that's what Joshua was doing over 100 years old of living and seeing God's faithfulness, as he looked back on his life, he saw something. Our opening text, now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Not one. Joshua is sitting there that day. He's called together the nation, the judges, the, 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 the priests, the leaders, and the people. And he is declaring to them, maybe even one of his final speeches to them as the leader of that entire nation. And, and as he is talking, he's realizing, oh my goodness, 
Not one of God's promises failed. Not one of them. And he might have been tracking in his mind all the different things that God had promised to him. And he's like, check, 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 check. And he declares to the people that day, look, not one of them has failed. There was never one promise that fell to the ground, as that word means in Hebrew. There was never one, oops, oh, God's like, I forgot about that one. There was never one, oh, I totally missed that. That's, that's my bad. There was never one of those. Every single word of every single promise came to pass. And I tell you what, these were big promises that God gave Joshua and the Israelites. This was not like, hey, tomorrow will be a fun day. These were like big time promises. We read about those in chapter 1 of Joshua. In verse 3 we see the first one. God says to Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. This was a huge, massive promise. For 400 years, the Israelites had been slaves. They did not have their own land. And then for the next 40 years, they finally got out of slavery. And then what? Because of their unbelief, they wandered in the wilderness for four decades without having any land of their own. And then God says to them, I'm going to give you whew, this much land. He even mapped it out so they could imagine that before they ever even fought their first battle. This is the amount of land I am going to give you. It was a massive promise that was made and it was a massive promise that was kept. God went on and gave Joshua this promise. Verse 5, he said, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. No one. And as long as the Israelites were obeying God, they were undefeated. Joshua looks back and is like, are you serious? We won that one and that one. We, we won all of them as long as we were obeying God. Scripture says later on in the account of Joshua that no enemy could withstand them. That they were given every enemy by the Lord and defeated them. 100%. God says no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. It was a promise made and it was a promise kept. Joshua looks back and remembers that another promise from chapter 1, verse 5. It says, as I was with Moses, God says, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And as Joshua looked back on his life in the presence of all those people, and he's recounting his days, he's like, you know what, that's true. There was never one day when I was alone. Not one day did God take his eye off of me or off of us as a nation. Promise made, promise Kept. How about in chapter 3, verse 5, where God, through Joshua, gives this promise to the Israelites. And it says, tomorrow the Lord is going to do amazing things among you. How would you like to get that promise? You'd be on the edge of your seat. You, you wouldn't be able to sleep tonight. Because God Almighty, the King of the universe, says tomorrow I'm going to do some amazing things. And if it's amazing to God, come on, that's pretty amazing. 
He said, tomorrow I'm going to do amazing things among you. Judge for yourself if that promise was kept. The next day the Israelites get ready and they go up to the, the Jordan River. The Jordan River at that time was in flood stage, impassable. Until the priest, as instructed by God through Joshua, the priest stepped foot into the water. And as soon as they stepped foot into the water, the Bible uh, records that the waters, even though it was in flood season, and piled up in a heap a great distance away. And the entire nation of Israel, some say it was north of one million people, crossed through on dry ground. A promise made. And a promise kept. Think about where they landed after they come out of the Jordan River. It was a place called Jericho. Now after being in the wilderness for 40 years and seeing whatever they saw in the wilderness, cactuses, I don't know, some trees, I don't know. After seeing not much civilization during 40 years, they come up to a city called Jericho. And at that time, I believe that would have sent shivers down every one of their spines because they were looking at a monstrous city. They were looking at a city that, that had 50 foot, it's believed, high walls, so, which surrounded a 12-acre city. And they came upon that. How in the world are we ever going to get past this? How in the world are we ever going to defeat them? Uh, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you might be thinking that would be a perfect time for battering rams, right? Several thousand of those flaming arrows, wouldn't that be cool? Maybe a few Gandalf scalping around. Perfect time for all of that. If you're not a Lord of the Rings fan, that made no sense to you. It would be a perfect time for us to think up how best we're going to take down this city. But God had a different plan. Normally God has a different plan. God had a different plan. It was for the Israelites to march around that city one time for six days. Think Santa Parade without the floats. March around that city one time each for six days straight. And then on the seventh day, they were to march around that city, get your running shoes on, seven times. Seven times all the way around the entire nation, all the fighting force, walking around this thing seven times. And God made a promise. He said, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. And that's exactly what happened. The walls came down. Promise made, promise kept. And at the end of his life, Joshua called on the people to fact check God's promises. We get that. That's the world that we live in right now, right? We fact check. We fact check. If you trust Google, you can fact check a president's speech, college professor's lecture, pastor's sermon. You can fact check. Maybe you can even fact check, or not maybe, you can fact check uh, crazy stories that your friends tell you. Anyone have a friend like that? I used to have a friend like that. He would say some crazy stuff. And I'm like, I'm thinking, oh, well, that's nice. And then I'd go and like fact check this guy. I'm like, liar. <laughs> not true. Not true, according to Google, because they're always right. Fact checking, though, is nothing new. All the way back in 1375 B.C., 
Joshua called on the people to fact check what he was saying. Because he said that not one of God's promises had failed. He's like, fact check it. Think about it. Huh? Was, was God always with us? Was he or not? Did God ever forsake us? Fact check it. Think about it. Did God ever fail in any of his promises? Did the Jordan River actually open up during flood season? Did the walls of Jericho come a-tumbling down? Did God fail in any of his promises? Joshua standing before all of these people at the end of his life, and he's like, think about it. He's pressing them. He's like, no, I'm serious. Think about this, guys. Do you remember the day when the day just kept going on so that we could win in battle? Do you remember the day when there were huge hailstones and they were only hitting the enemies? Do you remember the times when one of you put a thousand to flight? Do you remember? I'm sure I would think in my mind that Joshua was like, okay, I want you to raise your hand if God ever failed any of his promises as the nation stood before him. Oh, no hands raised. Why? Because God didn't fail on any of his promises. Every single one of them came true. Every single one of them came true. Marty Roman, has God ever failed on any of his promises? Never. Never. Gorolski's, has God ever failed in any of his promises? Eddie's, has God ever failed? Never. Yoder's, has God ever failed in any of his promises? Not one time. Never, ever, 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 ever. We live in a world of broken promises, but serve a God who keeps all of his. It didn't matter how deep the Jordan River was. It didn't matter how high those 50-foot walls were. It didn't matter how fierce and scary those enemies were. God kept all of his promises. And at the end of his life, Joshua then calls the people, calls on them to make a decision. He calls on them to make a decision. In light of the fact that God has kept all of his promises and he's talking to those, those people and saying, hey, think about it, think about it, raise your hand. Oh, no one's raising your hand. Speak up if God ever failed in any of his promises, crickets. And he said, okay, in light of all of that, that we're all in agreement right now, we're all on the same page, what are you going to do now? And in chapter 24, verse 15, Joshua says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. God has kept all of his promises, Joshua said. So as for me and my house moving forward, we're going to keep trusting God. It was the Joshua plan. That no matter what would happen in the future, we're going to keep serving God. I want you to know that's the Grable plan. That no matter what happens in the future, we're going to keep trusting God. I bet you that's the Rush's plan. No matter what happens in the future, we're going to keep trusting God. We live in a world of broken promises. We serve a God who keeps all of his. And in light of the fact that none of God's promises ever fail, I want to challenge each and every one of you here today, first of all, to be a promise keeper. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, husbands, wives, dads, moms, friends, co-workers, bosses, employees, 
be a promise keeper. Be true to your word. Because when you are true to your word, you're a reflection of the ultimate promise keeper who keeps all of his promises. And we know that none of us up until today have been perfect in this. Some of us have made promises in the past without counting the cost. Without thinking it through, it just kind of came out, yeah, I'll do that. You can count on me for that. And you walk away and you're like, oh no, what did I just say? What did I just do? Have you ever made a promise of something that you could not control? We've done that. I know with the kids, you probably have as well. When the kids are little and they're trying to learn how to ride the bike and you take the training wheels off and you're like, it's going to be fun. It will be easy. You're going to be just fine. <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. And we laugh about that and I laugh about that. And I think back, uh, this week I thought back a couple things that I've, a few things that I've said to the kids. Like, you know, it's like, oh, it's for their own good, I'm saying this. But it, it maybe wasn't true. That first roller coaster is going to be so fun. Well, for one of our kids, it wasn't so fun. No, it was bad. Sometimes we promise things we can't control. And sometimes we just forget what we promised. I'm not saying that that's good. I'm not saying that that is something we should be proud of. But if we look at our track record, how many of us have ever promised something and then just forgot? Maybe, I, Mom, I will, I will take the trash out after I finish this movie. Right? That just happened yesterday, I believe, in this family right here. They're laughing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> or, honey, I'll fix the toilet. After the Lions have 14 wins this season. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. Sometimes, though, we just, we just forget. We, we say something that's time goes by and we, we forget what we have promised. But here's the thing. Be careful what you promise. Be careful what comes out of your mouth because we're responsible for it and we can't take it back. Be careful what you promise. And if you do make a promise, do your absolute level best in order to fulfill it. Because once again, when we are a promise keeper to people, we are a reflection of God Almighty, the ultimate promise keeper. I want to challenge you secondly, to be a promise learner, be a student of the promises of God. Learn the promises of God. Discover the promises of God. I love at times in my Bible, in my devotional time of underlining promises of God. I don't know exactly how many uh, promises there are in the Bible. I've never gone through and counted them cover to cover. I have heard from one source, though, that in the Bible there are believed to be 5,467 promises from God. Be a student of the promises of God. Learn the promises of God. As the, the psalmist said, your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. Your promise gives me life. And that's what the promises of God do. They give us life. They give us hope. They give us something to stand on. But I want to caution you right now because when non-promises 
are embraced as God promises, people get disappointed with God. We have to be careful that we don't misquote, misunderstand, or even just make up things and say it's a promise from God. Because some people believe things that God never even promised. All God wants is for us to be happy. Where does it say that? Some people believe that God promised a pain-free, problem-free, persecution-free life. It's not the case. Some people believe that God has promised riches and comfort and complete safety while on this earth. Really? When non-promises are embraced as God promises, here's what happens. People get disappointed with God. And if you're here in this place and you find that there's a part of you that's a little disappointed with God, would you take a moment even this week to consider that maybe the reason you're disappointed with God is because you were banking on something that God never even promised. Be a promise learner. Because what God has actually said is true, is life-giving, and I would say even life-changing. Be a student of the promises of God. Which promises? Well, how about um, all of them? I mean, you can start in the Old Testament. God says, I will be with you. We see that affirmed by Jesus in the New Testament. Saying, and lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. It's a promise from God. If you're a believer, if you've placed your faith in him, God's presence comes in you. And now God's presence goes with you and leads you and guides you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise of God. Learn it. Embrace it. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. That's a promise. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. It's a promise. Learn it. Embrace it. Philippians, we read this, that we can be confident that he who began a good work in us will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise. God's at work in your life even right now. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. It's a promise. You can bank on it. You can bank on the promises of God. If it's something that God didn't promise Good luck banking on that. But if God has given a promise, let's learn it and let's embrace it. How about Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the promise. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, transcends all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds guarded in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. A few verses later, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's a promise. Learn it. Embrace it. Learn it. Embrace it. Be a promise learner. And finally, be a promise partner. Be a promise partner. See, God invited Joshua and the Israelites to partner with his promises. There are some promises that God gives that are like, God gave it, I'm, I'm learning this, I'm just embracing this. I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to sit here, I'm just, boom, 
He will never leave me nor forsake me. But then there are promises that God gives which are a call to us to partner. And if we don't partner with that promise, we aren't going to experience that promise. I'll give you an example. Uh, going back to chapter 1 of this book of Joshua, verse 3, you remember, uh, God had promised, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. I will give you every place. That's the promise. I will give you every place. I will give you every place. I will give you every place where you set your foot. What was the partnership? What was God calling Joshua and the Israelites to do? Start walking. Don't stay in the wilderness. You're not going to experience the promise if you stay in the wilderness. And God said to Joshua and the Israelites, start moving. I will give you every place you set your foot. But if you don't move your feet, you're not really going to experience anything more. God went on and sharing this partnership uh, situation with the Israelites. Verse 7, he said, I'm going to give you every place you set your foot, but here's what you need to do. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. There are a whole lot of promises that are the promise period. And then there are a whole lot of promises in the scriptures that are if-thens. And this was one of these. Be a promise partner. How about one more? Chapter 3, verse 5. Remember God had said to the Israelites through Joshua, tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Let's not forget what Joshua said right before that. He said, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves today. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. In other words, so we read the New Testament, purify yourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Get yourself ready. Be open to the conviction and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Get yourself ready. Tomorrow, God said to them, I'm going to do amazing things among you. All right, here's the partnership. Today, consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. Purify yourself from everything that contaminates. And here's the reality. God invites you to partner with him in his promises. He invites you to learn them, to embrace them. And there are certain promises God's like, I'm calling you to partner with me in this promise. I'm talking about faith. If Joshua and the Israelites didn't believe God could do what he had promised or that he had promised, they would have kept their feet stationary in the wilderness. But they actually believed that God had said to them, I will give you every place you set your foot. And so they began to step foot. In fact, when they came to the Jordan River and it was at flood stage, they believed the promise from God. And so you know what they did? They stepped into that water. The first people, the priests, didn't step onto dry ground. They stepped into the river at flood stage. They partnered. It was faith. Believing God and trusting God. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves that faith needs to be faith with shoes. I'm talking about obedience. 
It's a faith that says, I'm putting my shoes on and I'm walking forward in what God has promised. It's faith with shoes. Sometimes it's faith with trust, right? Going through your day with a, with a smile because you know he's the lifter of your head. You know that he's got it figured out. You know that you can count on him because he promised that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Sometimes faith needs to be walked out with shoes, sometimes walked out with a smile. And I would say there are times when faith needs to be walked out with sleep. It needs to be walked out with sleep. A trust that is so intentional and so steadfast that you can sleep even in the midst of a storm, a.k.a. Jesus on the boat during that massive storm. I'm reminded, uh, actually this morning I, I, I thought of this and someone helped me find it. And it was the, the account of Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, not only did he have a super cool name, Smith Wigglesworth was a powerful, powerful evangelist. God used in mighty ways 100 years ago. And the account goes that uh, one night Smith Wigglesworth was in his bedroom and he was sleeping and he was having frightening dreams. And he woke up in the middle of the night sensing that there was some type of demonic presence in his room. And when he, he, he sat up in bed and began to look around, the count that he gives is that he looked and there was Satan himself standing at the foot of his bed. And Smith Wigglesworth shares that when he saw Satan there standing at the foot of his bed, he gave a deep sigh, said, oh, it's just you. And he went back to sleep. See, that's faith. That's faith in the promises of God. Let's make it a little more personal. Uh, just a few months ago, there was a family from this church whose son, little boy, was having um, uh, nightmares, was having um, scary dreams at night, was very scared to have the lights off, was just scared. And he, he shared that with his parents. His parents knew that because he was crying. They have to go in there several times during the night. Some of us have been there as parents. And, and, and they would go in there. And so they, they, they got some people praying, which, hey, Number one, great thing to do. They got some people praying. The second thing that they did is they began to have some prayer and devotions with their little boy right before he went to sleep. And they began to share some of the promises of God. And then at some point along the line, that little boy had an idea. And he said to his mommy and his daddy, hey, mommy and daddy, could, could you maybe write some of those promises from God on my whiteboard in my room? And then shine a light on it in the middle of the night. And so that when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm scared, I can just read God's promise. The parents, of course, did that. They wrote the promise that they shared that night on the whiteboard. They got lights to shine on the whiteboard in his bedroom so that whenever he woke up, he could see the promise of God. I'm glad to be able to report to you that the last time I spoke with this family about this, their little boy is sleeping peacefully. I want to ask you as we close this message today, what's on your whiteboard? I mean, if the, if the whiteboard represents your mind, what's on your whiteboard? It might not be the promises of God. It might be negativity. It might be fear. It might be regret. It might be condemnation. I don't know. What's on your whiteboard? And the challenge for you today 
is to put on your whiteboard the promises of God. We live in a world of broken promises, but serve a God who keeps all of his every single time. Thank you for listening. You know, we believe God has something amazing in store for you today. And now is the perfect time to take a few moments and pray about what you just heard. If this message spoke to you, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to office at cccmidland.com or connect with us on your favorite social media at cccmidland.